Hey, thanks for joining us for this series that we're calling Founding Fathers. And today, we're gonna to be looking at a specific character from scripture who you can learn from and can help you grow in your faith. God did great things through these men and women, and God can do great things through you. We hope that you enjoy this teaching and that you'll take a moment before you log off to fill out your connection card. We're so glad that you're worshiping with us through this video in these moments, and we hope that it encourages you in your faith. Stay through to the end. We'll have a special message for you when we wrap things up. Enjoy this teaching. Well, good morning. I have an assignment for you this morning. Would you just give the person next to you a high five? And say, welcome to Palm Sunday. Yeah? I waited all year, all year to get to Palm Sunday today. And th this is the beginning of Holy Week, so thank you guys for joining us as we travel through uh, Palm Sunday. A couple years ago, we did a series called The Seven Days Leading to the Cross. And we talked about each of these days, so the Sunday before, the Monday before, all the way through Friday when Jesus was crucified, and then Sunday when he rises again from the dead. And if you want to track this week with what happened each day leading to the cross, you can go back to the website or the YouTube channel, and you can just look up seven days, uh, and that series will pop up. And it can be an encouragement to you throughout this week as you kind of prepare your hearts for what's coming next as we celebrate and mark the greatest reason we have to celebrate, Jesus is alive. And so uh, we're marking that through this week. We have our 21 days of prayer that's happening right now. And during these next seven days, there are special moments of prayer designed particularly for this week. Moments of confession, moments of gratitude, moments of praise as we lead up to Good Friday. Then on Good Friday, we have some online options for you. Three times on Good Friday, we're going to be kicking off an online service through our Right Now Media, and if you get the emails or you haven't got them yet, you can go to the website. You can log in, prep your account, and join in for one of those three times uh, on Good Friday, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, one in the evening, and, uh, and help us celebrate that way. Then for us, Easter weekend starts with our Saturday evening worship option. Right now, we're sticking with the 6 o'clock. We haven't, the 6 o'clock is full, but we, we thought, let's, let's just jam everybody into the same services these three weeks, these three services. So we have our 6 o'clock Saturday, and then our 2 on Sunday morning. If that changes and we have to add a service, we'll let you know. Uh, but right now, we're sticking with the 3. And we're excited about what God is going to do. So we have, uh, as Chris said, put a lot of stuff in your hands today. And this is to help you with what we're talking about in just a moment of course, you have the Easter invites that you're handing out, five a week, right, five a day. I don't know how many you're assigned. You have the Sunday night invites. Come back tonight if you want nachos, because that's what we're serving at the cafe. 
and uh, we're doing our last preview service, and, and next week kicks off a brand new series that we're calling Problem of God, and I'm going to explain that a little bit more, but a great thing as you're connecting with folks uh, and, and uh, giving them a reason to come and connect over this next season. I'd like to announce, and I'm happy to update you, that there is now one more mouse in heaven, and uh, yeah, or wherever mice go. I don't know, you know, I'm not sure exactly uh, which direction the mice go when they die, but it's gone, and uh, it's, it's happily departed this existence, and uh, we were successful. Now, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, go to last week's sermon and check it on YouTube, and you'll get updated to that particular information. Today is what we call a series finale here at Branch Life Church. We are closing out our series called Founding Fathers. And the last father that we're talking about is Paul the preacher. And it's going to be in Acts chapter 13. If you have your journals, uh, you can run with us to that section of Acts, Acts chapter 13. And uh, we're going to look at now the, the beginning of Paul's story as Paul transitions from Saul to Paul. It's page 74 in my notes. And as we get to the end of a series, we like to make sure that there's a little special moment that we can stop and kind of reflect back on what God has taught us through this series. And remember, we're, we're highlighting these fathers through the book of Acts to remind us that God can do extraordinary things through really, really ordinary people. And here's, here's the inference. Even you can be used by God. Yes, you And no matter your story, no matter your past, no matter your your, uh, massive list of talents or short list of talents, whatever it may be, God wants to take you and do extraordinary things. And the most extraordinary thing that can be done is not to build a fortune, not to make a name for yourself, not to have great relationships and build an awesome family. All those other things are just fine. But the greatest thing that you can do, the most extraordinary thing that you can do is build the kingdom of God. And when we build the kingdom of God together, we're doing, we're investing in something that's not just going to last a lifetime, but something that's going to last for eternity. We might see that mouse again someday, right? We, we will get to be a part of life change. We'll get to be a part of life and life more abundant when we go all in with building the kingdom of God. These founding fathers did something more extraordinary than our founding fathers of the United States. These founding fathers didn't build a country. These founding fathers have built the church, God's plan A for this world, the bride of Christ, something that you are a part of because of what God used them to do. But every single one of those founding fathers died. They're not here anymore. So how is what they're building still going? It's because God continues to use extraordinary, ordinary men and women just like you to do extraordinary things. And so as we read these stories, as we see these truths, as we unpack how God worked and how he is continuing to work, we we understand and we notice at the end of Paul's story in Acts chapter 13 in page 74 of your journals, while they were worshiping, so the church was growing, last week this day is the church in Antioch, they were were, uh, worshiping the Lord and fasting, We're, we're emphasizing that as a church ourselves, The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas, who we looked at last week, and Saul for the work which I have called them. We could unpack the word called for the rest of the day, and we still wouldn't have enough time. 
Let me just say this, God has a calling on your life, and I'm so excited for what's next. Maybe you've lost that excitement. Maybe you've lost that anticipation. Maybe you're sitting here going, Josh, I am 81 years old. What's next for me ain't that great. I'm here to say, don't for a second doubt that God can do the best work yet at 81 and 82. You might be saying, I'm just a middle schooler. I have a math test tomorrow, and that's all I can think about. There is so much more beyond that math test that I can't wait for what is next for you. I'm married. I've raised a family. Our nest is empty. I can't wait for what's next. It's been a hard season. We're battling illness. We don't know where this illness is going to take us. I can't wait for what's next for you. God has a calling for every single one of us, and he's calling us into the work which he has next. And so we get to hold on to this truth that to the Holy Spirit, God, show me what you have next for me. And then after fasting and praying, that continuing theme of worshiping God, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. There was somewhere they had to go to do what God wanted them to do. If nobody was ever sent from the church of Jerusalem, they would have stayed in Jerusalem. And the kingdom of God has been sent around the world and around the globe. Sending, being sent, is a powerful privilege and a powerful part of being a part of the body of Christ. Most people, when they want to find a church or they want to find a game plan or they want to find a job, they're hoping that they can go do that thing and just be there the rest of their life. I want to find a small group so I can be a part of a small group that we're going to be best friends and we're going to be best friends forever. We're going to trade necklaces that have two hearts on them and they're all, we're, every time we get together, we're going to put them together. We're going to be best friends. We're best friends, right? And we're always going to be together and it's, we're never, ever going to be apart. That is a dream, right? That's actually a kind of a selfish way Ultimately speaking, there's some amazing things about lifelong friendships. Don't get me wrong. But God's not calling us to stay and huddle. He's calling us to get together to go. He wants us to do something. And maybe it's going to be with that group for a lifetime. But maybe there's going to be a moment where what's next is so exciting. You're too busy holding on to what was that you can't see what God has for you in the sending. And we're scared of change, and we're scared of adjustments, and we're worried about new relationships. No, no, no. If God's in it, it's going to be awesome. He's designed you for it. And so Paul and Barnabas are in this moment, Saul and Barnabas, where they're going to be sent out. Who knows what's going to happen? Who knows where, what's gonna, where they're going to go? And just in case you say good for them, Jesus, we're going to quote him from John 20, 21. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, he says to his disciples, that's us. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. So send I you. You are, follower of Jesus, sent. You are sent by God. Today we're going to be reminded That there are places only you can go. There are people who only will listen to you. And there is a story only you can tell. And God wants to send you to those places and to those people with that story to make a massive impact. 
I want you to bring to your mind, a speaker did this with, with us this week, I thought it was powerful. I want you to bring to your mind one person, one person that you would love Jesus to capture their heart. One person who needs the hope of Christ. One person who needs to follow Christ or come back to Christ. One person who, who just, you know, maybe, maybe has resisted Christ. Maybe just doesn't understand Christ. Maybe hasn't thought about Christ. And you know the hope that you have in Jesus. And you just want that person to have that same hope and that same faith. I want you to bring that person to your mind right now. and Put him on the, maybe it's your son. Maybe it's your daughter. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's your coworker. Maybe it's a parent of yours. Maybe it's a best friend and they have the other side of the heart. You remember best friends. What would you do to see that person come to Christ? What would you give? Where would you go? If God said, if you just do this one thing, that person's life will change forever. See, our lives are filled with these kinds of people. Our lives are always intersecting and connecting with folks on a daily, hourly basis who need Jesus. The world in the technology that we now have has decided to even connect us further. And at any moment of the day, I could literally right now intersect on my phone with another soul. Maybe I know them. Maybe they're strangers to me. And I, I want you to watch these videos of just strangers talking about these intersection points. You see, if you're a Christian, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And if you're a Christian, it can be easy to think that I'm just going to mind my own, my own Christian business and no one else is going to care what I do. Let, let, me, let me use these videos to demonstrate a couple of things. Number one, somebody is always watching your story. Somebody is always watching your story and you are representing the kingdom of God whether you like it or not. How are you doing? Do you think Christians have a good reputation in our world or a bad reputation in our world? Second, that person who is watching your story is questioning their beliefs. They're wondering about Christianity, and something has stopped them from pursuing Christ. And thirdly, if it is true, if, if your story can represent the truth, that life change is available to them, and it'll change everything. First, let me remind you that somebody is always watching our story. Uh-oh. Is that not a video? Oh, man. I had three great videos <laughs> that would tell you these three incredible things. I'll post them online. Somebody is always watching your story. Let me just kind of sum up what he does. He interviews four or five people, and as he interviews the four or five people, he says... What do you think of your Christian friends? Now, if somebody asked that question about your friends, what would they say? And person after person says, oh, I love my Christian friends, or my Christian friends are great, or my Christian friends are awesome, but they're really Christian, right? They have really strong views. They have really strong viewpoints. And, and so he just, it's interesting to hear what people say about their Christian friends. And then he says, what has stopped you from considering Christianity? You know what most people say? I haven't thought about it. I, I haven't put much time into it. I think I'm just going to do my thing, and then before I die, I'm going to figure all that out. And they all, they all talk about it, and they know that that faith is good for them, but they haven't really talked about it for themselves, or they had a bad experience with Christianity or Christians. And then thirdly, it says, if Christianity was true, 
what would it change? And literally every person's like, well, if it's true, it changes everything. If it's true, I would care about heaven or hell. If it's true, I'd care about what happened in my day. If it's true, I would care about other people. And you are sent to inter- as you interact with these people to help them understand the truth that you know and the belief that you have in your heart. In, in Acts chapter 13, as we start reading through verses 4 and 5, let me point out to you firstly that there are places only you can go. There are places only you can go. I grew up here in the greater uh, Tri-County area, and we grew up going to a particular grocery store. And if you've grown up around here, you probably know what I'm going to say. And it's in Morgantown. It was called Farmer Browns. Anybody? Now, this is before Pottstown and Morgantown and Birdsboro were the thriving metropolises that they are today. And for a little guy growing up here in Podunkville, Berks and Chester County, it was the place to go. I mean, Farmer Browns had an indoor koi pond with a water wheel. And people threw their coins in there. And I, when I was growing up, like the whole upstairs of Farmer Browns, like there was food all over the place. And you can get your wolfy pies and your fruity pebbles and all that stuff inside. But like there was like yarn upstairs. I didn't care about the yarn, but my sister did. Like, she loved the yarn situation. It was like jo- Joanna Fabrics before there was Joanna Fabrics. And, and she would get and make the bracelets for her friends. You know what I'm talking about? Like, that was her jam when we were growing up. And she always had to go to Farmer Brown's to get more yarn for the bracelets, right? I'm good with that. I'll go to the Koi Pond and get a whoopie pie. Like, let's roll. Like, we just had a great time going to Farmer Brown's. And, and Farmer Brown's was our place. Like, that was our place to go. And I remember hearing a story of my grandmother, uh, my grandmother back before I was born, so this is the 60s or 70s, was in Farmer Brown, she was shopping, and my grandmother is like super European, like she's born in Ireland, English roots, came over to America, married a guy from Scotland, and so she's like super white and super proper and super nice and chill, and at Farmer Brown, she ran into an, a, single Afri- a single African-American gal named Hazel, Helen and Hazel. They ran into each other at Farmer Brown's. Helen, my grandmother, sometime in the late 60s, early 70s, uh, gave Hazel the gospel through the conversations that they struck up at Farmer Brown's because it was a place that they both went. Hazel ended up coming to Christ. Hazel then ended up moving uh, to work at High Point Camp where I grew up, and she became the camp cook. Hazel was a big part of my life and became like an aunt to me. And Hazel was just, to this day, we're friends with Hazel because of this interaction at this unique place, which is really a place that only if you're from here, you go. Nobody flew in to go to Farmer Brown's. (laughs) The koi pond was not that amazing. But God sent Helen to this place for Hazel. It was a unique sending. In Acts chapter 13, it says in verse 4, And being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Thessalusa, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salmas, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews. So what happened is they were in Antioch, which is this coastal city. They ended up going over to the next city where they could get on a boat. They got on a boat and they sailed to the island of Cyprus. They landed on the island of Cyprus and they started walking around, Paul and Barnabas, giving people Christ, telling the amazing stories. 
And when you start doing a little bit of legwork and you go, okay, why did God send them to Cyprus? Well, the reason he sent them to Cyprus was because it was a unique place that only Barnabas could go. Why? Barnabas is born and raised in Cyprus. That was his home. And so when the church at Antioch said, we got to send someone out, where should we go? They, Barnabas says, I, I, got some, I know some people. I got some places. I know where we can sleep. I know where we can stay. I know where we can get food. I know some people we can talk to. I know some synagogues that we can hang out in. And so they got in a boat and they sailed to Cyprus because it was a unique place that was familiar and known to Barnabas. And when they got there, they started proclaiming God in the synagogues. Now, you know that synagogues are Jewish houses of worship. And they would gather regularly at these Jewish houses of worships, and the rabbis would teach, and everyone else would listen, and they would learn the law and the Old Testament at these synagogues. Well, the synagogues were a place of prestige for religious leaders. While this was Barnabas's home, he wasn't a religious leader. He was a community leader. He was famous. He had some standing. He was well-known. Remember, he gave money. And so when Barnabas showed up, everyone's like, did you hear Barnabas is back in town? Did you hear he's, he's part of this Christian thing? He's following the way. And, and Barnabas is here. And, oh, I remember Barnabas. And he's different. Something's going on with him. And Barnabas had this guy named Saul. Well, who was Saul? Saul, as you remember, was this persecutor, right? This person who was trying to kill Christians, and he was in that position because he was an esteemed religious leader of the Jews. He was a Sadducee. He was a Pharisee. He had, he had marks on his shoulder. He had the right kind of robes and the right kind of outfits. He was esteemed as a religious leader. People looked up to him in the faith, and the place where religious leaders would go to impact people was the synagogue. And when someone with Paul's outstanding reputation, someone of his religious pedigree, showed up in a synagogue, the synagogue people, by Jewish tradition, would say, well, we have an esteemed guest here who is a part of the Sanhedrin or, the, uh, or the, whatever the religious sect he was a part of, and he, we would like to invite him to say a few words. And they would do that out of respect. They would do that out of tradition. So why in the world would Paul go to synagogues? Well, Paul knew, put on his best robes, put on his markings, put on the right hat. He walked in. He sat back in the corner. He said, Barnabas, just wait. They're going to ask me to talk. Barnabas was like, what? Sir, I see you are from such and such and so. Would you please come speak? Here I go, man. And he'd stand up and he'd start talking. He goes, you guys have heard the Old Testament. You've heard about the Messiah. The Messiah is here. His name is Jesus. He died and he rose again. And by the way, I met him. And he would say that in every single synagogue he would be entered and they would have him stand up. And he would give him Jesus. He would have him stand up and he would give him Jesus. Why? He was uniquely positioned to go to that place and present the gospel. So when God said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, he said, I'm, I am going to take two people to a place that only they can go to, places where their door is going to be open for them, places that are uniquely positioned for them to share the gospel. So they went to Barnabas's backyard, and they went to Paul's synagogues, and thousands of people came to Christ. The question you have to ask yourself is, where can I go? Where, where can I go? Because there are doors designed by God that only you can open. There are doors designed by God that only you can open. Listen, I cannot go into your neighbor's house. I am a stranger to your neighbor's. 
If there was an emergency, if there was a situation and your neighbors needed help and they put out the call for help and I came bursting through the door and I'm like, I'm here, I'd probably get shot. Like, I don't know you. But if you came through that door, you would be welcomed. You would, there would be gratitude that they would feel. Their hearts would be warmed because you showed up in your neighbor's house. I cannot go, teenager, to your lunchroom. I can't do it. I'm not allowed. Stranger danger. They're not going to let me in. It would be really weird for a 40-something-year-old man to come into your lunchroom and sit down at your table and say, what's up, guys? Anybody play Fortnite last night? I was jamming real hard to some tunes while rocking out on the awesome, what? What are you talking about? You're old. Get out of here. You're weird. They would send me away, right? But you can go to your lunch table. As a matter of fact, you can go to your lunch table every day. You can go to your classroom. You can, maybe you are the 80-year-old in here, and you're like, I can't believe what that my family did to me. They put me in a nursing home. <laughs> you spit a little. Stupid kids, I raised them better. But maybe God is calling you to that nursing home because it's an om- the only place that you can go. Maybe you have that roommate for a reason. Maybe you have that, those connections at this time in this period. I think, about, I think about what happened in nursing homes over COVID, right? Because of everything being locked down, like there was nobody, even family members weren't allowed into nursing homes for a couple of years, right? But who was there? The other people in the nursing home. You, you had a special opportunity to talk to others in that moment and in that time. I could talk about the conference table. I could talk about the meeting, the locker room that, you, that you're a part of with your team. We could talk about more places where you go, the clubs that you're a part of, the bowling leagues that you, you roll in, right? And those, those places are uniquely places that are for you. Did you ever think that that is where God was sending you? When God talked to, to, to myself and Jenny, to Pastor Scott and Brooke, and to others that helped us start Branch Life Church, we had a big question about where. And we prayed this. And, and I didn't for a second assume at the beginning of that journey that God was actually not sending us to go far, but to go home. And for me, coming back to the Pottstown area from not very far away, from Coatesville, Downingtown, wasn't just, wasn't just, uh, wasn't, wasn't far. He wasn't sending us away. He was sending us home. I feel like Barnabas coming from Antioch to Cyprus and be like, hey guys, I'm back. <laughs> I'm excited. This is great. God's got a call for us. Well, why in the world would God do that? Well, you know these people. You know these places. You know these rhythms. You know this culture. And this is a unique space that you've been designed to be a part of. So I'm, I'm sending you to your home. And in the greater Philadelphia area, there are over 6 million people, 6,440,000 people in the greater Philadelphia area, Philadelphia Metro, which we're in right now. 6,440,000 people, you ready for this? Who don't know Jesus. They're here. Right now. They're tired because they watched March Madness last night. They're they're disappointed that the Phillies came in second in the World Series. They understand Farmer Browns and Wawa, right? And they know that Wawa is better than Dunkin' Donuts. This is not even a competition. We collectively hate the Cowboys here, millions of us, right? 
We've, we've got this, this brotherhood, this brotherly love thing, this Philadelphia thing going on. This is our home. And this is where six million people need to hear about Jesus. There are doors that only you can walk through that have been designed by God. As we continue through the story, we see that the second thing that we see is there, there's people who will only listen to you. There's people who will only listen to you. In Acts chapter 13, uh, down in verse 7, we read this about uh, one of the guys in Cyprus. I'm pushing, but nothing's happening, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure why it won't go forward. There we go. In Acts chapter 13, verse 7, it says, The proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul, sought to hear the word of God. So in Cyprus, there was a particular leader who said, I want to summon these guys. I want to have a conversation with these guys because these are the guys that I'm going to want to listen to. In Acts chapter 13, verse 7, you see that this proconsul summons Paul, but immediately there is resistance from another man, a magician, who wants to stop the word of the Lord from going forth. However, the proconsul was all about it. The proconsul was like, send me Barnabas. Maybe he knew Barnabas and Barnabas' family. Send me, send me Saul. I want, I want to speak to him. I want to talk to them. And I want to be a part of the conversation and hear what they are preaching about the word of God. This man was prepared by God to listen to those people. Just like Hazel was somehow ready to listen to Helen and Farmer Brown's. There are doors that only I can walk through in my neighborhood. I've told you some stories about different neighbors of mine who've been going through different challenges at different times. And several months ago, I had a neighbor that was diagnosed with cancer and, and secular, not followers of Jesus, but they wanted to talk about faith because of this cancer diagnosis. So they opened their door to us, and we got to be a part of a spiritual journey uh, through their lives. And I got to see my friend uh, Robert not only have a friend and have comfort during his cancer battle, but just weeks before going home to be with the Lord, he put his faith and trust in Jesus. And, and that was not Josh's work. That was a, a friend named Robert who was prepared by God to listen. And there was who, his wife said, Robert, who do you want to talk to about this stuff? I, I kind of want to talk to Josh. How did that happen? I don't know. God sent us. God sent us to a person who was ready to listen to the story that I had, to the faith that I believe in. And so when God sent us to that place, he, he, he prepared people who would listen. Sometimes we think, I know I got a story to tell. I know I got people that I need to talk to, but who's going to listen to me? Nobody wants to hear what I have to say, and that is a lie from the devil. There are people seeking to understand faith. There are people longing for hope. There are people searching for peace. We heard it this week at a Young Life, Young Life banquet. This generation is known as and forever will be known as not Generation Z, but Generation Anxiety. What does Generation Anxiety need? Well, they need less screen time and they need more friends and they need more outlets and more discipline. Great. Yeah. No. They need the Prince of Peace. They need the Prince of Peace. And I have and have a personal relationship with the Prince of Peace. And maybe God is sending you to a teenager who needs Jesus, teenager. And they're ready to hear about your faith and how you have hope and why your youth group encourages you. 
why your small group is a major part of your life rhythms, because life gets crazy, but you know you're going to end up together with a praying group of people on a weekly or bi-weekly basis, and they're going to reinforce your faith, and your hope is going to be refilled. It's why you worship, and God is sending you to only people you can listen to. My neighbor, just a couple doors down from Robert, just in the last couple of months, he got diagnosed with kidney cancer. My neighbor Lou and Janet now are traveling through the same story that my neighbors Tina and Robert are going through. And Lou, Lou's, he's my funny neighbor, man. He's, I got stories about Lou. I've shared some of those. I love, love, love Lou. I never, ever, 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 ever thought that Lou would someday day open his door to us and say, come on in, let's hang out. But that's exactly what's happening at this stage in our relationship. He opens his door to us. We come in. We hang out. He likes strawberry milkshakes. We make sure we have those in our hands or cheesecake or whatever else it is. Fastest way to lose heart is through his stomach. And so, like, we, we are just so excited. He's, he's had his cancerous kidney removed. He's on the mend. He's not, I don't know if he's been declared cancer-free, but man, he's still, he's still really battling through this health stuff, and he's starting to be walking around a little bit more. And, and he's talking to his wife, Janet, and he's, he's talking to our other neighbor who steps in there, and, and Lou, Lou, of all people, goes, you know what? I, I got some questions. I got some questions about, about the Bible. I, got, I should ask, I should ask Josh, could have Josh come? I'm going to talk, tell Josh I want to talk to him about the Bible. And just last week, one of the other neighbors came, Josh, Lou wants to talk to you about spiritual stuff. I'm like, what? Lou? No. Strawberry milkshake Lou? They're like, yeah, Lou. So I, Lou's ready to listen. He summons me to his house so we can go talk about faith. There are, there are Lou's in your life right now who are looking to talk about faith. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, is who's my one? There are people designed by God to listen to you. Who's my one? Who am I praying for? Who am I, who am I concentrating on to, to speak truth? Who am I investing in? Who am I inviting? And I, I want my one to hear about Jesus. And here at Branch Life Church, we give you lots of ways to invite your ones, right? We give you lots of ways to invite your neighbors. And maybe you're going to have a sit down because they have questions about faith. Maybe you're going to send a text. Maybe you're going to take a picture of an invite and post it online. Maybe you're going to tell your story online. And maybe you're going to say, hey, we're doing a new series called Problem of God. And you can use these tools or whatever else you can to do whatever you can to spread the news about Jesus to the people that will listen. In our three states, in Burks, in, in Berks, Montgomery, and Chester County, the states that we live in, this is Elverson, this is ONJ School District, Daniel Boone, this is Pottstown and Pottsgrove, this is Coventry and, and Morgantown and Phoenixville and Chester Springs. There are 1,680,000 people, are you ready for this, who don't know Jesus. That is 15 minutes in every direction. And when we, when we say, I don't know anyone who will listen, I want to say, statistically, you are dead wrong. Now, add the power of the Holy Spirit. There are people waiting to hear about Jesus, and they are in your backyard. You probably already know their names. You probably already work with them. You probably already play games with them. They are there, and they're around us. And if you can't, if, if there's no one coming to mind, go find one of the 1,680,000 that need to hear the message, and they're within 15 miles of this spot right now. There is someone that God has designed to listen to you. What am I going to say? What am I going to say? Well, you're going to tell them your story. Because you have a story that only you can tell. 
As we travel through Acts chapter 13 and we read down, it says, But Saul, who was also called Paul. This is where it changes. And the Bible stops calling Saul, Saul, and starts calling Paul, Paul. He's now no longer known as this old religious leader who persecuted Christians. He is now Paul, the preacher, who's going to tell people about God for the rest of his life. And Saul, who was called Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit. He looked intently at this man, and this was the man who was resisting the message, the magician. He said to the resister, you son of the devil, you enemy of righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind." Paul was yelling at somebody who was resisting the work of God, who was fighting God, who was trying to put down the work of God, and Paul was saying to this man, stop it, and the only way I know how to make you stop is to ask God to make you blind. Why? Because that was Paul. Saul was persecuting people. Saul was part of the, the work of the devil. He was the enemy of righteousness. Saul was full of deceit. and He was going to kill the people of God. And so God stopped him and made him blind. And when Saul ran into his mirror image in the next town over, he said, stop. You've got to stop. I know where you have been. I know why you're doing what you're doing. And you need to stop looking at life through human eyes and you need to see it through God's eyes. So you need to be blinded. And for a time, this man was blinded. You see, Paul has a unique story, a powerful story, maybe one of the most powerful stories in all of the New Testament, where he can say, I was a murderer who hated God, and I became a Christian who loves to follow God, and I've dedicated my life to the story of the gospel. And because of that radical story of transformation, God used that story to see millions and millions and millions of people come to Christ. You have a radical story of transformation. You have a story, right? Someday you were, were born. It was a dark and stormy night. It was really warm. And then it was cold and something hurt, right? That was the day you were born. And you started breathing. And you started living. And your parents kept you alive. And you grew up and you went to school. And at some point in your story, there is an intersection where your story was intersected by God's story. For Paul, he was on the road to Damascus. Where were you when you were intersected by God? I was, I was six years old. I was at a church service. I saw a flannel graph. I realized that I needed Jesus for myself, and I accepted him as my personal Lord and Savior. It's pretty awesome. So my intersection happened early on. Maybe you, maybe you were intersected by the gospel in your 20s or your 30s or your 50s or your 60s, but at some point, the gospel intersected with your life if you're a follower of Jesus, and literally everything changed. That's your story. And at the moment you think, my story's not that great, Pastor Josh. Don't believe it. Because the, when your story interacts with God's story, it's his story. It's a story that, that he's done a work that only he could do. He has saved a soul that was bound for hell and is now bound for eternity. He's taken someone from lost to found. He's taken someone from darkness to light. And he has called you now a son and daughter of God. You've been promoted to prince and princess. Come on, let's tell that story. 
Your sins have been forgiven. Now you have a hope. Now you have a peace. Now you have a light. Now you have a reason to worship and to give and to sacrifice. And that incredible story, somebody is watching and they need to hear it. They need to hear about your transformation so they can be transformed. So that their eyes can be opened to the truth of the gospel. Don't ever discount your story because you have a story. God changed your story. God changed my story. And your story designed by God matters. Your story designed by God matters. And you might say, I don't know enough to lead people to Jesus. If you know enough to get saved, you know enough to lead people to Jesus. If you know Jesus, you can share Jesus. It's your story. And you can be the one that tells the story that someone was prepared to listen to. And look in Acts chapter 13, verse 12, it says, Then the proconsul believed. The proconsul watched Paul and Barnabas. He watched Paul confront the magician. He watched this magician become blind. He saw the whole thing happen. And the proconsul said, Yep, there's a God. He's real. He's alive, and Paul knows him, and so does Barnabas, and they're showing me everything that they need to show me. They're giving me their story, and so I believe, and when he saw what had occurred, he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Tell me more. Tell me more. I want to know this God. I want to be a part of this faith. I want to follow Jesus. Maybe, maybe today is the day where your story is interacting with God's story. Maybe today is the day where you need to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You say, I need that faith. I need that transformation. I want to be a follower of God. I'm, if that's you, I'm so excited. In this moment, what you need to do is simply talk to God and say, God, I'm sorry for resisting. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for doubting. I believe in you. I believe that Jesus is your son, that he died on the cross and he rose again for me. Please forgive me my sins. Come into my life and save me today. I want to become a follower of Jesus. Now, if that's you, I can't wait for what's next. I can't wait. God's going to change some incredible stuff. And if you've already done that, if you've already accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, listen, God has a mission for you. Nobody can reach everybody, but everybody can reach somebody. God did not call one person in this room to save the world. He called all of us to save someone through the power of Jesus. And we can't do it alone. We need to be active in reaching the neighbors God has placed us next to, the communities that we're a part of, the homes and the home offices that we live in, the fields that we play on, the wah-wahs that we shop at, the, the teams that we root for, for Jesus. And my life mission is to get as many Philly fans in heaven as possible. Because we're going to rock the worship session in heaven. Philly, represent. Because when we're on fire for something, we're on fire for something. So let's go and bring Jesus. And if God's sending you, it's the calling on your life and you'll never regret it. My prayer for every person at Branch Life Church is that we will get to stand oh, next to someone who we've had the opportunity to lead to Jesus. That someday... You will stand next to a friend, and you'll be there when they get baptized. You'll stand next to your son or your daughter, like Rob did in this picture. You'll stand next to your cousin as they get baptized, your coworker, your teammate, your parent, and you'll see them come to know Jesus as their personal Savior and be a part of their story of baptism when they say, I'm going to stand before everyone and let them know I'm a follower of Jesus, and you had an impact in that. You had a part in that story. Let's do it. Let's do it this year. Everybody, 
Let's see someone get baptized this year that we know. Let's do it in two years. Let's do it in three years. And let's see what God has to do. Let's go because you, my friends, are sent. You are sent. God, Heavenly Father, as we bow before you today, we humbly offer ourselves to you to use us in only the places we can go. To have us speak the words to the people who will only listen to us. And to share the story that only we can tell. The story of personal life transformation. God, you have saved my soul. You have given me a hope and a peace and a purpose. And Lord, I want to share that story with others. And so God, I pray over each person here, every person online that knows you as personal Lord and Savior. God, would you use us to reach one person this year for Jesus Christ? Would we be privileged enough, God, to stand with them as they decide to be baptized and follow you? Lord, could we celebrate welcoming them to be a part of a, a gospel-preaching, Bible-believing church? And God, would you continue to use my life and our lives to make a dent in these six million people that live in our backyards that don't know Jesus, in our neighborhoods, and in our schools? Help us to be the light of the world. And God, we offer ourselves a living sacrifice so that others may know the hope of Jesus Christ. In your personal and holy name we pray. Amen. Hey guys, thanks for joining us for this special teaching in our Founding Fathers series. We hope that it's encouraged you in some way. We have been praying for you and are so glad that you've logged on. Before you go, go to branchlife.church and fill out that connection card. We would love to hear from you. We would love to pray for you. And we hope that you'll join us next time as we go further and deeper in our faith.